when I first started rolling out Foxes, there was some portion of the generalist readership who were like, what the hell? Why are you doing this? NFTs are a scam. And I had a really productive conversation, actually, with one of the people who basically wrote me an email and was like, you know, I'm really disappointed you're doing this. This is such a scammy area. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast, Floor is Rising, with host Sabretooth, a professional NFT collector, and Kizu, a professional art critic. On this podcast, we talk deeply about the business of creating, collecting and analyzing NFTs. So, if you are a creator or a collector of NFTs, jump in. The water is warm. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Floor is Rising. I'm Sabretooth with Ms. Kizu and our special guest today, Mario Gabriel. He is one of the best writers on the internet. He's the lead writer, editor of The Generalist. And also recently, he's launched an NFT project for the Silver Foxes. Um, welcome to the show, Mario. It's great to be here. And thank you for the very kind words. How did you get into NFTs? The truthful answer is last year, like so many other folks, uh, I think my Twitter feed became mostly NFTs or at least a large portion of it. Um, and I've always really been interested in in the idea at the very least. You know, I would say I sort of first got into crypto in late 2016, early 2017. And so I remember when CryptoKitties first emerged and I just thought that was like crazy and wanted to try and understand it. And so sort of followed Top Shot a little when that came out. But really, you know, the inflection point I would say is was apes. You know, when that became such a talking point, I really wanted to sort of learn more. And so you know, I did a deep dive on OpenSea as a piece for the generalist. And as part of that, you know, I ended up spending some more time looking at some of these communities and then eventually decided to create something myself. The NFT ecosystem right now is, I mean, I would say sort of two major camps. One is kind of the the tech camp. So it's, you know, a lot of developers, a lot of sort of programmers and a lot of the projects there are either very tech heavy, sort of generative art or the other camp is kind of the board eight sort of that kind of streetwear, um, hype beast kind of camp. And your project, and I guess specifically the community you're building is kind of, I think, a bit different. It seems very much sort of like yourself, like sort of writing based, at least that's my kind of impression. Can you talk about a little bit about, about that? Yeah, I think that's a, a totally correct read for what it's worth. You know, it's it's a little more abstract or maybe cerebral. Um, and I definitely don't have it in me to be a hype beast, to be honest. I kind of wish I did sometimes, but, you know, just not really my uh, my natural way of being. And so, you know, Foxes came about because I was doing this open C piece. And basically my fiance was like, you know, you should really be buying NFTs more if you're going to be writing this piece. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Like <laughs> I, I kind of, I should do that. And then my mind sort of started spinning and I was like, well, you know, I should really start making some. And so that led to me thinking about a few different dynamics. You know, one was the fact that the PFP NFTs are really like characters. People use them as veils for their public life in some way or another. And you see experiments like, you know, Jenkins of LA and stuff like that, where people are LARPing on the internet and creating lore around them in these really interesting ways. Two, you're seeing traditional talent agencies 
look at these pieces of IP and say, Hey, like we could create a film around this or, you know, punk's comic, we can create a comic, we can create a band. And then, you know, the output of that thinking was that it felt like there was kind of a missed opportunity in recognizing those dynamics because the characters of existing NFTs, although, you know, really evocative in their own ways and, and, and interesting are fundamentally quite shallow you know, you're really filtering based on purely aesthetic characteristics. And historically, when you look at how IP is translated across mediums, you usually need a really thick source text to do that well. So it's really easy to make a James Bond movie, relatively speaking, because there's this massive source material to draw from that tells you like, here is what who James Bond is. Here are the things he does. Here are the things he doesn't do. Here is who he is as a character. If you look at like video games, whenever you try and adapt those into movies, it almost always doesn't work because the source material is pretty shallow in terms of character building. It's really hard to say like, okay, who is Super Mario? He's this like weird little plumber. What are his virtues or vices? What are his secrets? Like none of that really exists in, in that world. Same with Sonic or anything else. And so the idea was, okay, what if we try to treat an NFT like a literary character? What would you need to give each of these to make them feasible as a literary character? The result was, which sort of riff on the, oh my gosh, it's another alliterative animal NFT, but hopefully take it in a totally different direction where, you know, instead of it being about like, oh man, this one's blue, this one's green, this one's you know, has this kind of ears, this one has that kind of ears. The most interesting ways to filter these are this one's a nihilist. This one's an existentialist. This one is into Russian cosmism. Uh, you know, this one has an Oedipal complex and all of these other sort of elements. So that if you ever want to, as the owner, or if we as a project want to tell a story about that NFT, you actually have like kind of a lot of source material to work from. And so that was sort of the germ of an idea. And, you know, now I think we've started to extend that. And, you know, I hope we have a chance to do much, much more with it. You see, I guess, the, the PFP project as a primarily sort of like a cultural context that inevitably, in order for it to be success, has to sort of transcend multiple mediums. I, I think you said, you know, one of the catalysts for the project was the huge success of sort of Bored Apes. And then the direction that Bored Apes has taken, I guess, the majority of the PFP market is, is to kind of transcend different mediums, different boundaries. Like they've, they're doing a game, they're doing like a metaverse, they're doing this, they're doing that. They're raising a ton of money, doing all sorts of things. And the direction that they're kind of pushing is basically to be present in every single sort of medium as a cultural force. And it seems like what you're saying is that Given that they started off as a primarily basically like a like a PFP collect 10k collection, you don't feel like there's that richness of character underlying them. So it's almost like it's a game and now they're trying to expand to sort of being a movie. But is that kind of the 
the hole that you saw in the market that you're sort of experimenting with foxes in, in trying to, I guess, fix for lack of a better word, so that you have a foundation where when you start to build on top of it, like the characters, the anything else on building on top of it becomes a lot more richer because there's more sort of foundational, I guess, personality underneath it. Would that be the right characterization? Yeah, I think that's, you know, more, more or less right. You know, I think apes is is super cool. I mean, they've done like a lot of amazing things, obviously, and they're rightfully, you know, a probably one of one, you know, top of the mountain project at the moment. But yeah, like that's not, I guess, what interests me about this world so much. You know, I'm, I think apes are fascinating in the way this, that they're building out this universe and like extremely adventurous, and that is deserves huge commendation. The artifacts themselves as an ape. I think are like extremely successful as like status objects, but I don't think they themselves are particularly interesting as narrative objects. They sort of leave that to other, the owners themselves to build that narrative, which is, I think, a totally viable approach too. But I think it leaves, it makes things quite hard. Like there are very few Jenkins of ballet. Whereas I think if you give people at least some suggestions and boundaries and definitions and things like that, you know, it's almost like a writing prompt. It's really hard to start from scratch, but if you give someone a prompt, like you can create some really interesting stories out of that. And so this is in a way, a little bit of a prompt for one's character. We're talking about sort of building out the lore, the the stories. How much of that success do you think is related to the financial success. So for example, could the project be successful if the floor price doesn't go up? Are these kind of almost inextricably tied? Like you have to make the price go up before the project can be considered successful, before people participate and all this sort of thing. I mean, what's your thinking about that? You know, if you're looking at the general NFT space ecosystem, especially at this point in time, I would say most people basically equate any success metric with essentially the financial metric of, of what the price is doing. If the price goes up, then anything you're doing is, is kind of lauded. If the price goes down, then you know whatever you do is not considered you know very very beneficial at all. <laughs> no, I think about that all the time, and it is like something I am actively thinking about a lot because I think you're right. Like, there's a ton of post hoc reasoning on these things where you're like price goes up. Oh man, it was like, because they did this thing on chain or because like, I don't know, they decided to add this one thing that, you know, now we have decided is super important. And that's like what matters about the project. And you're like, well, is that really why, or is it just like the narrative we've decided to give this afterwards? And it's especially tricky, I think, because you know, so many projects that get hype early on are also buying a ton of hype. And so it, there can be an element where that's actually, I think, maybe not in a, a particularly uh, salubrious, but a effective strategy because of this dimension where you're like, okay, uh, success begets success, may as well just like kind of pump and maybe the pump keeps going. The way that I've sort of decided is the right way to think about it for foxes is there's really like two measures of success. There is, well, at least two, probably more like three. There is creative success. And that to me is like, how do we create a modern mythology on chain? What does that look like? We have a 1,100 group of characters here. How do we tell a massive multiplayer story? 
And like, what does that look like? I, I don't know, but that is like what I am expressly interested in trying to figure out. You know, I've been obsessed with this idea of like multiplayer media for a while. And so I think NFTs are kind of the clearest way of being able to play with that topic. And so to me, success on that front would be like, we told a really interesting story using novel technology that involved many people in a way that I at least have not seen done before. And that that story gave people pleasure and fulfillment creatively and entertain them. Like that would be mean a lot to me and is probably ultimately the thing I would be most excited about because the market can be irrational or fickle in one way or another. It can prioritize one set of NFTs one week or another another week. If we create a really interesting rich story, like hopefully that has much more staying power in the end than price. You know, the second way I would say is the community. Like did we give people a ton of social capital by being a part of this. You can't measure that. There's no social capital floor price, but you can feel it in a discord when people are engaged and are making friends and are like making plans to jump on calls with each other and, you know, riffing on different derivatives and extensions and remixes and stuff like that. I think those often do eventually trickle through to the price itself, but let's say even if they don't like if we can achieve that again i will feel like that is a very important measure of success for me and more specifically like i really want to drive foxes on a pathway of progressive decentralization and so it would mean a lot to me if we are at a point where foxes is really self-governed and community governed down the line and people are using it as a platform to create new things create new stories and then the final is, of course, this commercial aspect. And that is, I think, the, the part that, for me at least, is, is really interesting, uh, but tricky to figure out. It's like, how do you create buy pressure on Foxes or any other NFT? There's so many different ways that people do that. And to your point you know, from earlier, some of that is sort of, we figure out after the fact that you know, maybe it catches on for one reason or another. But yeah, like, you know... I, I want a triple hit. I want, I want to try and you know make sure this functions on all three of those dimensions. So I suspect I won't be happy unless it does, but I don't want to neglect the other two at the expense of the third because you know, if anything, I think it's a lagging indicator. You know, the price goes up after you've done all of these other good things, usually. And so yeah, those are sort of the the areas that I try and focus my my energy. I think in, in general, we're kind of beholden at the moment to this idea that whether it's a 10K or a 1K collection, these are visual attributes. It's entirely something that you know people are used to picking and choosing, I guess, or valuing based on visual attributes. And then you're talking about the potential to you know, focus less on that and more on, you know, you mentioned a fox that's nihilist fox or into Russian was it cosmology or you know, various things that obviously aren't going to be self-evident in terms of their visual appearance. I was wondering if you could say a little bit more about what you think currently is the biggest bottleneck in terms of like trying to conceptualize this idea of a literary you know, context. I definitely think about the ultimate bottleneck, I think at the moment is sheer noise. Like, you know, there are so many projects and some are really awesome, but probably 
I don't know, 90% are maybe scams or really just low effort. And I think like, you know, each of those can capture your attention. And especially if you're interested in this space for alpha, like, you know, it's probably interesting to just serve from one of these to another, to another, to another. And as a result, like you probably are mostly just going off of immediate signals of, and a lot of time, those are probably visual in, in some way or another. And so I think that is a super natural and probably helpful in the long run dynamic for this space, because it is just, you know, an explosion of new ideas and slight twists in one way or another of, of these different paradigms that are being pursued. And hopefully as a result of it, we'll find like some novel ideas that we, that we wouldn't have thought of otherwise. But I think as a result, like the projects that maybe are trying to be more literary or character based in, in sort of these invisible attributes might be a slower burn because I think it, you know, the, in the fullness of time, hopefully they are recognized as interesting objects for storytelling purposes. But I think you're right that like, you know, they, you know, they might not uh, be as fully valued straight away because of this sort of like iceberg dynamic where, you know, you're seeing the top, but there's all this other stuff underneath. On the other side of it, I do think we are probably starting to see us move past this. I mean, the, the explosion of, of music NFTs, for example, this year has certainly, I think, gotten people to realize that, you know, NFTs are a data structure and you can put other stuff in there. It doesn't have to be, you know, a pixel and a pixelated image. And, you know, there are lots of other ways you can play with this boundary. And so I think over time, you know, we'll probably become maybe a little tired of purely visual projects that don't, you know, add a new aesthetic element to the mix or, you know, aren't doing something that like really captures the attention in that respect and either look for different media types, you know, different layers to these products and be happy to investigate a little bit more deeply into the the areas that we're most excited about. But, you know, the good thing about the internet is that you can afford to be niche. And so, you know, Fox is, I don't think is going to be as, as mainstream as probably a, a number of other projects, because like, I don't know, I don't know if that many people care about the nihilist or the the philosophical element here. But I think for at least a sufficiently large niche, that is like something that speaks to them and separates it from hopefully others in the space. So documentation is very important, right? That's how Mm. legitimization occurs, right? That's how important artists, important artworks are preserved for posterity. And, And that's the function of the art historian, the art critic, Museums, institutions, they have huge, you know, reams of documentation, catalogs for exhibitions, all of that. So I think that's one thing that's lacking, whether or not we're talking about a visual, visually dominant project or not, right? And of course, like for Foxes and other projects that are more literary, so to speak, I think that dilemma is even more pronounced. Do you have any thoughts on what maybe could be done on on that so-called documentation? You know, I've never heard someone like articulate that problem like that before, but you, I think you're hundred percent right. Like there isn't a great sort of archive or yeah, documentation function in this ecosystem right now. I don't know what the right solution is. My sort of suspicion is that, you know, NFTs as a cultural object are just sort of 
they want to infiltrate everything almost, you know, they want to, to infiltrate film, music, comic, stuff like that. And they want to infiltrate the physical world. And so I, I kind of imagine that, you know, we'll see the most successful projects build artifacts that reflect their premise in some way or another, whether that's like a board ape clubhouse or, you know, a CryptoPunks comic or, you know, some some other element to that. I think for smaller projects, you probably need to in-house that function maybe a little earlier. And so, you know, finding ways to create little relics or artifacts together that speak to what you've accomplished, that could be, you know, an ebook, it could be uh, a photo collection, it could be some, you know, derivative, I think is important. I think the part of that that I, I don't know how to figure out yet, given your question is like, okay, where are you displaying those things? Like on your website? Like, okay, uh, is that that interesting? You still have to get people to take a look to begin with. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. That's really interesting. What have you encountered that has maybe changed your perspective or you thought something was one thing, but you know, it turned out it was, it was completely different you know, throughout your journey in, in sort of taking philosophical foxes to where it is now. Like, yeah. You know, I think there have been both lessons that showed me how much bigger the opportunity was. And then also I would say sort of failings or missteps on my part that have also given me, I think a clearer view of things. And so, you know, I think one of the, the biggest positives that I probably underestimated was just how effective NFTs are as a form of social capital. It's like instant social capital. For philosophical foxes, which I found kind of fascinating, is that the the culture itself um, of the project being so very literary, very sort of introspective, uh, very sort of narrative heavy, it doesn't kind of lend itself to like very heavy shilling um, or kind of like that hype culture. I'm wondering whether that's kind of like a disadvantage financially for, for the project itself. But I'd be interested to, you know, to hear your thoughts on those and anything else, I guess, you have regarding the price. Because, I mean, it, it is, I guess, something that it, every project founder kind of thinks about. Totally. First, uh, just a small note of clarification. I definitely think a ton about how to drive commercial value to foxes. But I definitely try and not spend much time thinking about the short-term price or the floor. Like I, I think there's that's mostly unhealthy and unuseful. And so, you know, one of the, the things that we did early on in Foxes is create seven maxims, seven values that define the community. And the first one is philosophy, not floor. You know, like. We want to be spending our time talking about the philosophy of this project, sharing interesting ideas and not focused relentlessly on floor because you can drive yourself crazy. And these are like NFTs in general are in the first second of the first minute. And then this project within that, you know, very, very nascent market is within the first second of the first minute. If you look at the graph, you can say like, yeah, look, it's, it's um, the hype has died down. You know, some people are selling at lower than they used to. But I think, at least I hope that when we zoom out, this will look, it won't even show up on the graph of, of what we build here. Now, I have to prove that and I have to make decisions to actually 
increase the commercial value of the project. And I think that's where your sort of second question comes in around like, does the fundamental nature of the project conflict with the ability to shill? And for me, like, yeah, maybe a little, but I'm also not trying to shill to like the everyday person, like, you know, the most valuable communities in my experience and, you know, valuable also in a way that shows up in price are like getting really smart, impressive builders in this community. And you, you know, proof is probably the, the, the quickest example of that, obviously a very different project, but you know, the, the people that have a bunch of foxes are some of the best investors in the world, some of the best builders in the world. And, you know, I, I kind of think that as we allow them and give them more opportunities to engage, like the project is going to create a lot of value that will get recognized. The other thing is that like, yeah, sure, we're, we're philosophical and maybe a little literary, but I don't think we are precious. You know, I, I'm not like, oh, it's, it's not cool to tweet or, uh, you know, we can't do any sort of marketing or this or that. Like, we're going to build in public. We're going to be open about what we're doing. We are going to like play around with the drop structures and things that people are excited about in this space because like, that's how we explore. And so, you know, although it has a maybe more like vapor wavy, dreamy bent to it, like that is, I think, not a significant impediment to generating buzz. And the third thing I would say is, you know, I think a lot of the best projects are not necessarily hype beastie. You know, nouns is fascinating for, you know, a, a billion reasons, but yeah, there are a bunch of really engaged people there, but it's not the same like hyper shill vibe by any means. So yeah, I think, I think we're in a, me- well, we're still in the very beginning, but we are in the very messy middle of that beginning. And I think that's totally natural. And it's now time for us to figure out how to, you know, keep adding value and continue following the roadmap. And so, you know, the folks that are selling now, totally reasonable. It's totally up to them to to make their own financial decisions and figure out what's best. I will say that, like, I think some of the drops and like secret reveals that we have as part of the roadmap one are going to be really interesting and really fun. And um, I suspect they will show up in the price, but, uh, you know, you never know, but at the very least they are very cool. So coming to the end of the interview, before we let you go, who is your favorite artist and who, and, and what is your favorite NFT project? For now, my favorite artist is, is Dom Hoffman. I think he has just been extremely prolific and extremely interesting in the work he has done, you know, Corruptions, I think, is you know uh, an extremely interesting project in the way that it is telling a story in a novel way through technology. And so, yeah, I, I definitely take inspiration from the way he is is doing that. For example, awesome! It's uh, been pleasure having you um, on the show. We kind of you know chit chatted, kind of kind of dove a bit deep into both NFTs and and also philosophical foxes. Um, and it's it's a pleasure having you on the show. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I I really enjoyed it. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Floor is Rising. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and follow. And give us a review on your favorite podcast app. Remember to also follow us on Twitter at Floor is Rising. You can reach out to us or send us a question. Just send us a DM at Floor is Rising.